Hello and welcome to 141 Studio and the Coffee House. Fresh brood coming for you at, well, let's call it the morning on Saturday the 31st. We're brunching right now. We're, we're full brunch. We're the men who brunch. The men who brunch. <laughs> As always, I'm Ryan Whiting and I'm here with my compatriot. I'm Paul Cushing and um, we are here to uh, bring some ni- dynamism to this New Year's Eve. Because, you, you know, you need more dynamism um, for these days, uh, especially when it comes to a new year that comes comes about. So uh, that was my fault. I used the word dynamo. And I brought it right and into he's the... Just not, he's just going to hold on to that. I called him a dynamo, <laughs> and he's like, hell yeah, this is me now. Gonna dynamism bring everywhere. Dynamism. Everything is about dynamism. Like, this whole year was about dynamism and changing and breaking things off and moving into new places and finding space and creating new chances and scoring and maybe not scoring depending on how close you were to the goal maybe you were so close and you decided you wanted to pop it up over the crossbar or maybe you just decided that you wanted to score an old goal for yourself or maybe two like um mr faes did yesterday he scored scored twice from on 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 himself yesterday his own team like really uh, like like spectacularly failing sort of yesterday it was amazing yeah Anyway. Right, like if you're if you're gonna fail, you might as well just burn the entire house down like he did. Oh. <laughs> so uh, we were going to start with a little bit about the Premier League. It came back on Boxing Day, which is absolute insanity. It was what three days after the yeah. World Cup? Crazy. No, seven days. Seven days. Seven days. It was okay. seven days after the final. One or eight days week. after the final. Yeah, and a day after the final of the World Cup. So, I mean, just like a regular week for some of these footballers. Day day after Christmas. That's what Boxing Day is. If, if, if people who are not Premier League or UK um, Anglophile people um, know that Boxing Day is the day after Christmas. They do a whole bunch of different holidays during that time. Anyway, just wanted to clarify that just so, you know, we are, are not knowing. People do know what that is. Um, this is uh, a soccer podcast. So yeah, they probably know, but I'm gonna. <laughs> I just wanted to clarify that a little bit before we we really tap in. Um, but the Boxing Day period in England is a big time thing. Okay, so the history of it is is that um, they would do games like a big festive period of games for. It was actually to bring people in because ticket sales weren't going that well, and it was a way for like everyone had the time off. So it was like, oh, we're gonna do all these games during this time of year. And so it became a big deal, um, and they haven't they they've kept it as tradition. A lot of other countries actually take this time of the year off um, because it's either a too cold or b they just were like, no, oh, we're going to go on holiday. We're going to have two parts of the season and not one elongated, difficult slog the entire yeah, it's like time. Two three weeks. Yeah, they some of them are two three weeks. Um, some teams, some countries like uh, Germany, they're gone for like a month. Yeah, you know, or like six four or five weeks. Which, in a way, isn't necessarily a bad thing, um, but I I do want to bring up the the kind of craziness of what this World Cup has brought, which is four months, four weeks of playing for your national teams. You maybe win or win or don't win or lose like heartbreakingly, and then then it's right into the club game right again, right away. It's like, hey, you get back in it. You're, you're not. You're not, You got to keep playing. And you're like, okay, 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 cool. right. Cool. Did you, speaking cool. of, did you see the video of uh, Antoine Griezmann clapping for his Argentine teammates? Really? At Atletico Madrid. Yeah, it was a pretty good gesture for him because they brought him out to like celebrate that they uh, made it won to the, the World final, Cup and they won yeah. the final. Yeah. And uh, Griezmann's like, "Yeah, good for you guys." Like, yeah. I mean, he got he has his. He I has think if he hadn't too. won it, I think he would might have been a little saltier about it. Maybe I, I always think about he, the same thing feisty. with Mbappe. He's combative. Think that, but that same thing with Mbappe because Mbappe, I guess, um, like praised Messi for yeah. you know winning the World Cup and this and that, and I, it it does feel like one of those things where like being kind of celebrating Messi should just be a thing you do regardless of whether he beat you or not. Like, right, it, you're one of the giants of the game. So, I I find it fascinating um, that. I, I, I'm intrigued to see the actions. It's like you can say some things like the clapping is a good action, but I'm intrigued to see what happens during game time. Between uh, Pele like, and... Or, well, uh, spoiler alert for later on in the uh, pod. Between like, Messi and Mbappe. 
Yeah, things like that. I I, I don't think there's going to be much issue, but I mean, Mbappe totally really possible. doesn't pass to him anyway, does he? When Mbappe has the ball, he's thinking about one thing. <laughs> right. So I you know, I think Messi probably will be fine. <laughs> oh, me- uh, yeah, Messi will be yeah, more than cool. Fulham just took the lead on Southampton. We're kind of we're in the middle of this like whole New Year's Eve thing. There's games going on right now, so oh. just a little update there. Um Yeah, so So there's something fascinating about this whole whole fixture list thing and how intense in a way it, it might be for some of these players. You know, we're not going to see this now, like the mm-hmm. we're not going to see downturns now, but I think when we get when we make it to March and April is the time that we'll Guys see. Guys are going to start getting tired or hurt. Yeah. You know, cuz there's there's no stop in play. So uh, like having a large depth in squad is going to be important. This is why Man City um this is Man City is really um has an edge over other teams. And Man City's really interesting because they don't necessarily go and get like world-class players for their depth, Jack Grealish aside. They tend to go get like younger younger players, like mm-hmm. 18, 19, and they're like, we're going to give you a shot. You're going to learn our style. And uh, when everybody else is tired, guess what? You got young legs. You can go out there and run, right? I mean, they started an 18-year-old on Boxing Day, or the day after Boxing Day. They, they started an 18-year-old right back, um, Rico Henry, who is, yep. who's been through their system. They have a bunch of those guys. They're starting to come through. You know, Phil Foden is from their system. Um, he's, what, 22? Maybe, 21, 22. They yeah. have... Um, Foden, uh, Foden was, like, one of those prospects where he could have gone anywhere and he would have... Probably fun, yeah. Yeah. Cole he, Palmer, I think, is another guy that they were talking... He He's considered to be, like, one of those, like, special talents. I think he's also through the system. They, they have a bunch of them. They're, they're going to be okay. I think they're still going to spend money, but they're, they're going to have a youth program, a youth setup, where they're, they're going to have, like, four or five kids that are from their youth team starting for Manchester City and winning titles and doing those things. So I think Pep actually prefers that. He'd rather have players that came up through a system that was similar to his than have to go get players. He makes exceptions for, like, world-class talents. Mm -hmm. Or unique guys like uh, Zinchenko. Like, that's Oh, yeah, Alexander Yeah, Where he's he's just like, oh, you do a little bit of everything. I guess like yeah, I And you I want never lose of, the ball. Right. I want one of you. Yeah. <laughs> like, you I'll never go, lose go the ball. Him. Arsene Wenger before the end of his reign, I think it was like twenty sixteen, saw Zinchenko and was like, I I need him. Can you I need him now. Bring yeah. him here. Now and Zinchenko chose Manchester City because of Pep because he was gonna learn under Pep and and I understand that. I mean learning under Wenger would also have been a thing, but he wanted to be an Arsenal player, Zinchenko. Yeah. So the opportunity to go to Arsenal was there he, and he, he knew it. Arteta and Arteta, you know, was gonna keep him playing in his style that he loves the most and Well, and you know, so, there's there's that old joke whenever somebody signs with anyone in the Premier League and they say, Well, you know, Wenger was in for him, but the price was too high. And it's like every great player that's ever gone to the Premier League. Um, Wenger saw him two years before and was like, oh, yeah, this guy's going to be great. Um, and then, you know, somebody else buys him two yeah. years later. I mean, I think, too, there's also, you know, his 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 pull had waned at that point, And I think that also was a thing, too. But Yeah, yeah 2016 he, he is starting. Yeah. yeah. His scouting was never in doubt. He always knew who the best players were at all times and who Uncanny. was Uncanny. He'd be. call them out, too. And, yeah, he'd call yeah. everyone. He, and the thing was, too, is that he scouted players, and, like, though some of them didn't, weren't fully successful, he still brought a lot of players through that did a job for a long period of time and bought them cheap so he didn't have to spend tons and tons of money. Um, anyway, back to this fixture list thing. It's sort of... It's, it's intense. If I were a player, yeah. it'd be a really hard thing to, to, to do in some ways, but there are players that haven't played for the last month either that have had a month off. It's just, it feels, though, like... Do you think that's an advantage or disadvantage? It's a disadvantage now and an advantage later on in the year? Uh, depending on what team you are. So a team like Nottingham Forest, this might have been a really good thing for you because you bought, what, 22 players last year? 
and you needed time to settle and to rediscover your um to to kind of mold and hopefully build a, a squad that can um it's comprehensive and knows how to play with each other mm-hmm. and i i still believe that they are going to be okay um i, I results agree. aside right now i do think eventually they will be okay um they i think they have the talent in that squad to stay up that's why i think they'll be the, they'll stay up but the thing is is maybe they never mesh and that's it that's what they are for the whole season yeah um so now that now that we have had one week to kind of like see now that we've come back from the world cup so it's it's Wolverhampton Southampton going down right and then that third and then that what was third on their team, first game back yeah but they they did not win today yeah but i, I Lopetegui might keep them up. He's a he's a really really good manager, really good manager. I I know you you've got a wolves thing going on. I get it. And they I, bought two strikers. I just think they're bad. And they bought two strikers. All right, maybe they might they might stay who, up. Who are they better than in in the Premier League? Bournemouth. Bournemouth is, but Bournemouth is playing okay. They're losing. They lost today. Yeah, they lost today. Um, they lost. uh, I think it was. Oh, Aaron Newcastle drew today. Yeah, it it was looking like that. Bad conditions and Leeds was game for sitting, running all day. Yeah, and then sitting and holding on. It it always looked like it was going to be well. That's not true. We actually had a bunch of chances early on, and Leeds just kind of like hung around, or we just weren't quite clinical enough. A lot of shots over the crossbar. We had one Dan um, Dan Burn smashed a header that was just wide. So yep, that we, was it. That was the game. Yeah, yeah. We had three. We had three real early on. Probably like in the first twenty five minutes of the game. And then we we didn't get any of them, and I was like, ah, all right, that'll be this kind of game then. <laughs> like, <laughs> nobody else had any goals in them, so right. Um, I think it looks right now that the Man City Everton game is going to end one one, but Ooh, two I- draws. So you know you know what that means for you, right? What? Who's Arsenal playing? Brighton. You're in a draw. Half an hour. I mean, almost all the games are a draw except for there's only that Manchester United won, beat, beat Wolves, and, and yeah. um, Crystal Palace were clear, clear winners over. Oh, no, actually, that's right. I forgot that uh, Fulham pulled away from Southampton and won 2-1. to one. So, um, no, I think there's a chance. I mean, do I believe that it will happen? I don't know yet, but we'll see. But they have their full starting lineup out there. They have their all their best players out there, so to- totally... Total possibility. Arsenal? Arsenal. Yeah. The only play they don't have is Jesus right now. Oh, and he's out for like the rest of the year, right? No, he's out till February, late February. He'll be back. Yeah, but that's still like most of the year. Yeah. Most, yeah, he's got, it'll be March, April, May. Okay. He'll, he'll have the last three months. Um, anyway, um, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how these teams um, change over the course of the next few months because this is something that hasn't been done before. And I think, especially in the Premier League, where there's this large stoppage and teams don't play. Right. And I want to see how some of these teams that were really struggling, if they can change and evolve and become something different. Um, that's why Nottingham Forest is something a team to me that fascinates me. I think Leeds are going to be better. They'll have more time working under Jesse Marsh. I think they'll be better that way. And I think they'll know exactly what they need. Um, I worry about Bournemouth. I, the reason why I worry about Bournemouth is because, and why I think they will go down, is because I think they, I don't think they have the full talent pool. Like, they don't have the depth to consistently compete. And they showed at the beginning of the season that how bad it could be for them. Yeah. And they've definitely cleaned it up, and I think there's possibility that they do stay up. There is a possibility, but I think ultimately, if they lose a couple of players during some of these times, that this could be really rough on them because they're not going out and buying anyone. They made it very clear at the during the summer that they were not spending money. So um, anyway, and 
Wolves, if they have strikers, they score goals. They will they will have their opportunity to stay up. Yeah. I it's I think this bottom six or seven could be interesting. Uh West Ham is another team. Surprisingly at the bottom. Seventeenth right now. Yeah. They're right they're kind of really they're really struggling right now. They lost again yesterday to Brentford, uh to Yvonne Tony, um, who I think is now gonna be out for the rest of the year. Um due to um I think he tore his knee up yesterday. Oh yeah. Pretty yeah, bad. Yeah. yeah. And um um rough for the big guy. Yeah. He also has some things to deal with with the FA and his um his uh his betting irregularities or yeah, something he, like that. He, yeah, he there's gambled, like some way right? he gambled. He, he may have gambled. I don't know. There's a lot and there's a lot of uh incidents of it. It's like 200 and something yeah. incidents of gambling. So we'll see where where how long he will be out for cuz because he might be out for longer than the time that he's injured. We'll, just, <laughs> right. we'll see. Might have a suspension on top of that. Yeah, it'll be, it might be like a year suspension. Anyway, David Moyes has this really talented team in some ways. They have a lot of pieces. I mean, they brought in Skamaka. They brought in, um, uh, who is that? Lucas Paqueta. They brought in, um, they've brought in a lot of pieces to, to help build that squad and rebuild it and have it prepared for another run to go through like Europe and the league. And they've, fallen flat in a lot of ways and i think it's because they bought players to play a specific style to play a different style and david Moyes plays a very specific style that doesn't necessarily fit some of these players needs yeah and they it actually showed in the game against arsenal when they played on on uh, boxing day where um i watched a majority of that game and the thing that I noticed more than anything was that you had Lucas Paqueta out there and you had Saeed Brenrama out there. And those are guys who like to play with the ball. They like the ball at their feet. And the problem that they had is that they nev- they always played long. So there was never this moment where they could interplay and, and build. And so they were never in positions to really use them. So they're <laughs> right, just they're running just and running out. and running. Yeah. yeah, they're just running around and not really doing the work. Like they're just doing hard work and they're not doing the thing that they're really, you know, paid to be doing. And and I wonder when that moment will happen where they need to change. Um, and it's gonna have to be moist. Either either moist changes or they change moist. Yeah, it's one of those two things happens. And he knows it. He knows it. He brought it up yesterday in his interview after the game. He said, "Yes, I'm on thin ice right now." This could end very. This could end shortly for me if I, things don't turn around. Moyes has been around long enough to kind of read the writing on the wall. Yeah, he can read a room. Yeah, <laughs> right. and he knows it. Yeah, he he has to keep them up first yeah. and foremost. And if he, they're they're struggling with the relegation places, this could be a problem. So, and um, it's you wonder how much cachet he has with the West Ham board, um, because he's been there for a little while. Mm-hmm. But it's results driven. So if they do change Moyes, one, who would they who would they go for? I saw a couple names and um I think the there's a uh the manager at Lance, I'll have to look at him uh what his name is, but he's brought Lons from this um and they're second right now. Um they play PSG tomorrow. Um but they're second right now in, in Liga. And um, yeah, to me, I think they, he's done an excellent job um, putting that team together and in a position where um, where they're competing at a really high level. Um, Frank Hayes. Um, oh, that's not a French name. He is. Let's see. I think he is French, though. Frank Hayes? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, he's oh. French. He's from, yep. He's from French. He's French. But Crazy. he's, he's, um, he's, he's, uh, playing them. Or, um, there's, um, FC Lorient, who is, that's like another team that has, yep. like, been playing really well. Um, uh, could be another manager they look at. There's a couple other guys, too. I, I'm blanking on their names right now, but, um, that, um, that they're performing very well given their circumstances and would be a great fit for West Ham in particular. And they need guys who play progressive, like who play more progressively than David Moyes does. Yeah. So second question, second of the two-parter, 
Where would David Moyes go next? Because he's a good enough coach. He will get another job. He'll probably go to a team that, I mean. Championship club, you think? No. I think he'll stay in the Prem. He won't go to a championship club. He'll stay in the Prem. He could go to like a, um, he'll go to an Everton or, or, um. I'm not saying Frank Lampard. He's going be fun. for Frankie Lampard. No, 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 no. I'm saying like an Everton. I, I wouldn't say Everton, but there's a team of that nature that, you know, um, you know, Wolves would have been a really good job for him. Yeah, yeah. Wolves would have been a really good job for him. I think. Wol- Wolves is built for for David, David Moyes. Moyes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to. I'm th- One I'm just, can argue uh, that maybe that's like. Maybe you you get a David Moyes to build a Wolves and not a David Moyes to drive a Wolves is is an interesting idea, but I think they, there's a, there are going to be teams that are looking for a manager that to keep them yeah yeah moving yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. like to keep them from dropping down and David Moyes can do that he has done that in the past he turned Everton around back in the early two thousands and made them a pretty good upper mid-table team they generally finished between sixth and eighth a lot of the time during their during his time there they had a couple seasons where they really were like in 10th or 11th but he had a lot of really good players you're talking about timmy howard and mikel arteta and um um, what was his name tim cahill yep um the immortal tim cahill yeah leon osman they had they had a bunch of guys who could play you know like he he really developed a really nice squad especially given the the financial difficulties of having to keep up with the Manchester United's at the time and the Chelsea's and yeah. I I have a really unfair question. Yeah. Is David Moyes the best big Sam Allardyce um what's the cabbage guy? Steve Bruce. Like is he just the best version of like kind of the consummate survivor where he he'll just come in and he'll be like we're going to be solid and we're not going to lose games no. because we make mistakes. He's different from them. Okay. He's a better he's better than them. Like he is a better manager than both of them. In my opinion, he's a better manager than both of them. I mean, I think Big Sam was probably a good manager 30 he's, years ago. He was fine. <laughs> I mean, he did he did a job at Bolton. When he was yeah. at Bolton, they made it they finished 5th one year. Like that's amazing for what he I mean, he brought he got some players in. Like he got yeah. he had he brought some players in at the end of their careers like JJ Okocha and Ivan Campos and and guys, I know I'm bringing up all these game names of players of players that in the like past no that one, no one, no well, one, not many right. people remember. But he brought these guys in, and they still had a couple of years left. And then he had a bunch of hard workers, like a British hard worker, right. not necessarily the most talented grafters, and, if grafters, you will. yeah, and and like built a pretty good team. And he always had a really good goalkeeper. Like you see, Yeskalainen was excellent. Um, he had him for a while. He was excellent, so good. Uh, underrated goalkeeper of that early 2000s generation. I think Big Sam's uh, contributions to like English football were he kind of like revolutionized their fitness. And Sam Allardyce, like yeah, I I believe I read that somewhere that he was he was very into like. I mean, in some ways, but Finger was the guy. Right. Yeah, Finger was the guy. I mean, he was the guy with the oh, fitness and of the. Course uh, of course, you course say was, yeah. that. of course was. Of course he was. But I mean, Allardyce didn't also had his his. Uh, I think he yeah. did a lot of um, organizational things that made smaller clubs more viable against bigger clubs in ways, yeah. or like kept them from. So Bolton stayed up for a long time because of a lot of the work Sam Allardyce did in the past after he had left and when he went to. I think he went to Newcastle at one point, right? Sam Allardyce was the manager of Newcastle at one point, right? He was. I think so. Yeah, I think, I and he think. went. I can't remember where he went after Bolton, but there was a. He 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 kind of journeyed in a couple of places. It was like a it was like a cup of coffee with with Newcastle. I don't think he was there very long. Maybe uh, yeah. he was there for a year. I think there was like the the yeah yeah he was there for a bit. You you patter. I'm looking that up. I don't. I don't want to. Sam Allardici. Yeah, Allardici. Yeah, they used to call him Allardici because he wanted to be more. Uh, Big Sam. He did Sunderland too. Teams coached. Oh boy! So you want to have a fun, fun moment with this? Big Sam Allardyce coached West Bromwich and Hove Albion, Everton FC, Crystal Palace, the English national team, Sunderland, Sunderland, West Ham, Blackburn Rovers. Yeah, he was at Newcastle for Newcastle United, Bolton, 
Knotts County, Blackpool, Preston North End, Limerick FC, which I'm not entirely certain isn't just made up for this list. No, it's Ireland. They, yeah, that was an Irish, that's and an Irish West profession. West Bromwich again. <laughs> he did West Brom twice, huh? Uh, different jobs. Different jobs, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's he's had a very long career. Yeah, by uh, 68, he is a giant of the English game, both in size and in... Yeah, he's 6'3". Having been there for a long time. Allardici, Mr. Allardici. Anyways. He's 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 6'3", and he's not a little 6'3". No, he's like a big, beefy... Yeah, he's a, he's a big, beefy Give me British my steak boy. pie and, yeah, <laughs> right. my beer and my, my lager. Yeah. 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 Classic blood and thunder English football. Oh yeah, what, and what? he did. I mean, it's he did a great job. This is not to say like he what he did for a club like Bolton was is a ama- is nothing short of amazing. He did go to Newcastle after he went to Bolton. I was yeah. right. I did was right. You were on it. You were on. I was on it. He was there for a year. I think he was there just before like everything sort of fell apart because I think Kevin Keegan came in and the wheels really came off and then they were relegated in two thousand nine, two thousand ten. I think right. And they had Alan Shearer so. come in as a caretaker manager, and he couldn't keep him up, which, you know, yeah. that's a thing. Yeah. we. D- I don't know if you want to talk about that at all. but No, we, I don't. Kevin Keegan did all right. It wasn't his fault. Maybe we need to talk about brighter times with uh, Newcastle right now. No, it's okay. It's important to remember, because we are going to talk about them, and they're in third, and it's definitely because of a, a little bit of a cash influx. Interestingly enough, a lot of the players that are playing for them that are very good have been there, like Fabian Schar, mm-hmm. Miguel Almiron, Joe Linton. The, those are all Mike Ashley signings. I know. But, but yeah, it's important to remember where we were a few years ago, and that's, that's why Newcastle fans are like, fuck it, whatever, that we wear Saudi kits sometimes, you know? Yeah, like, and now they wear the white jerseys and the green shorts. Right, we'll, we'll, we'll be the villains later. Let us have this for a couple years. Um, I was going to say... That this Newcastle team is very well built, and you have a very good manager running things. I, I shouldn't say good. He's I would say he's he's borderline elite manager. Do you think he is top five in the Premiership? I mean, they're third. It says a lot. I think it yes. Does. I do think because the problem with him when he was at Bournemouth wasn't necessarily his coaching. It was I think it was his ambition. Not even his ambition. It was the his his recruitment. Well, so that that's what I mean. He was taking big swings because he's like, no, we're going to play high press, like fun, I think he th- aggressive th- offense. He well, he was trying to find diamonds in the rough with right. the little money that he had, right. and I think every single player that he tried to do that with, they all w- failed. So, some of them were okay. So he got fired before a lot of his players like like finished their tenures. At, uh, at, God, oh, my brain just stopped. Anyway, uh, he got fired before a lot of his players finished up their tenures, and some of them actually, like, came around and were, and were pretty good. They just weren't very good. And they had to go to the championship, though, to kind of do that. I mean, in the time he was in the Premier League with, with them, they were, he didn't, they didn't perform for him. That's fair. You know, and so... It's tough because I think now he has someone who's going to bring those players in. He's not going to have to worry too, too much about that. Or, like, he'll have more options. And Bournemouth were trying to do this all digitally. They were trying to, you know, be ahead of the curve in a lot of ways. Yeah. They were trying to play Moneyball. When, and maybe the system that they had didn't really work. Or the, the system or the, the, you know, the programs in which that were in place were not necessarily... They were, yeah, they just didn't necessarily work for them. I, I think Moneyball is just a tough, uh, kind of a tough thing in soccer because all of the things that lead you to winning kind of naturally soccer has accepted as, oh, yeah, those players are good. Like guys who don't give the ball away, right? Good. Probably the single most important thing in one of the One of the better things to do, yeah. Right. Uh, more, more than anything else, you will not lose games if you keep the ball. Mm-hmm. And everybody kind of just feels that, like guys who don't give the ball away just look like they're very good. So even if you don't know anything about soccer, you're like, hey, nobody can take that ball from that guy. He must be the best player, right? Right, right, <laughs> right. right. 
And so, like, the market inefficiencies on that, I think, are, like, a lot... It's a lot harder to find those. I think you you would have to be looking at, like, um, players that exploit, like, running through the channels well. But, Mm -hmm. like, again, that's something that scouts probably see. Like, you know, good strikers, again, you know them when you see them. It's not like they're a surprise. Right. I mean, I think, too, that there's there are there are things in analytics that have brought players to light that that make that you didn't realize were big time players and you're like oh wow yeah now i see why that they seem to always be really effective or they're doing this or doing that right. but then you have a guy like iniesta who who if you look at analytics and all these things is what what do you do man yeah and then you realize <laughs> right. like oh wait he's like one of the best players on the field all of the time right he's the, he's the glue you don't see it but he's what's holding it all together i think yeah, so I think what happened is maybe they leaned too too much into the digital side, and the, Jordan Ibe is a great example of this, and Dominic Solanke is another one. Like Dominic Solanke's like become a, an adequate player, like his, it, but Jordan Ibe, man, like they spent like a chunk of change on him, like twenty million 20 pounds million about like something. six years ago, for, not yeah. six years ago, but like four or five years ago, which for Bournemouth was a lot of money. Yeah. And that's why the Bournemouth record don't signing want, at the time. I believe. Yeah, Bournemouth didn't want to spend money after that. They were really re- reluctant because Jordan I was not the guy that they were hoping to be, and yeah. it happened to be. And um, and it's not Jordan I's fault. This is not me blaming Jordan I. This is just a, a sign of you know money can be a big issue for some of these smaller clubs. Yeah. Um, and for a team like Newcastle, who has a big influx of money, and money is not necessarily the huge, the biggest issue anymore with regards to their their um in incomings and outgoings um they can take a couple of swings here and there and maybe yeah. not f- like make a mistake but also realize they can cover it up pretty like quickly an, like an alexander isaac isak yeah like if he doesn't pan out yeah that sucks it's a lot of money but but again they they it's not like they're going to become insolvent so there is definitely my understanding is there is a budget they're going to try and stick to their budget right but but also, like, if it, there's no risk, <laughs> the budget is minuscule compared to how much money the the owners have. Right, and it, I always think too, like, I always think too that um, Isaac costs seventy five million pounds, right, close mm-hmm. to a hundred million dollars, something like that, in American. Um, the, if he doesn't work out, they'll make some money back on him, but they're yeah. already going to have the next guy in place, right, for the next round, right. Yeah, they'll they'll have just moved along. Um. Yeah. yeah, and so it certainly helps when you have a war chest. It's why I think it's why I think some clubs run into trouble. Like Manchester United can go mm-hmm. out and get the shiniest toy because, right. like, their owners have enough money that yeah, let's go get the let's go get the big name. That'll be cool. Right. We'll, we'll have a good time with that. Right. And. When he doesn't work out, you can just go get the next big shiny toy, right? And you fail along the margins because you're like, I don't want to spend forty million on that player that's only going to play sometimes. Like, well, no, he's super important. Like, you know, a a Miguel Almiron. Like, nobody, nobody spent some money on Almiron. Yeah, he was a twenty million dollar player. Yeah, player. Yeah, and now I mean, he's coming good now. I mean, he looks great, but. He his running his running even when he wasn't playing well, was always was, was worth it wasn't probably that he wasn't playing mil, well yeah. Mil, yeah it wasn't that he wasn't playing well I think he was I think he wasn't able to be in the positions to create as many as much as he probably would have liked to you know like when you play yeah. in systems where you have to sit deep and defend all the time and you're running all you're running is going into defending and making sure you don't make mistakes when you get when you make it to the final third. There's an issue that happens, like the legs are a little tired. Like yeah. you're not you're not in, in the exact spots you want to be because you're you're chasing and not necessarily like being in a position to to score a goal. Well, there's also like when you're only gonna get maybe one or two chances in a game. That those pressure, count. yeah, <laughs> right. And I think Miguel Almiron is a high energy guy. I'm not sure he's exactly a poised clinical guy, personality-wise. So I think it's, like, you know, there are some guys where it's like, well, i got to make this one count, right? Cool. Guess I'll do that. Ice water in your veins, right? Maybe you're not doing all the same kind of, like, 
you're not playing with the same exuberance and like effort that that a Miguel Almiron is, mm. but you know when you get your chance, you'll take it. And I think Miggy is is better suited for kind of the well. I'm gonna get four chances, and I'll get one or two of them. And like, still, that's that's great, you know. But he's a guy that's really good with his ball at his feet. Yeah, the ball at his feet. He's really good as that type of player. And I think when you're asking him to be a counter-attacking player constantly, yeah. Not to say that he can't be a counter-attacking player because he's so fast, but to constantly put him on that in that space like all the time where he has to create he has to when he creates his chance he has to score it all the time yeah it's the same thing with uh, St. Maximin like he's the same kind of you know like he has that same issue I think in a lot of ways I think if he were to consistently have chances you're going to see his input come out he's going to have more input or output excuse me than what he has right now yeah one worries with St. Maximin that he's a like he's one of those incredibly creative players that's going to struggle when he has a little bit more structure on him yeah and yes and no but the thing is is that eddie howe will find ways to give him the freedom that he wants or that he needs you know to be the player that he is i think and the thing is too is that you know you give him some some cues of things that he needs to do when when he loses the ball and Mm -hmm. say hey these are the things you need to do these are the three things i need you to do can you do those three things for me and then allow everyone else to do their jobs behind him, and and I think usually that that'll be okay. Yeah, he got minutes today at the towards the end of the game. He'd been hurt for a while, but he he got minutes today, so he might make his way back to the starting lineup. Hopefully, he does at some yeah. point. The, he's a fun player to watch. Future. He's he's yeah. he's fun. He's a every fun every now and then he's just like cool. Guess I'll be the best player on earth for you know forty five seconds, and right. it's always always fun. Yeah, so let's talk about Arsenal. Yeah, the Arsenal. We we can call them the Arsenal right now because the they Arsenal. Are, um, because um, as of right now, we, Arsenal have yet to play, but Man City have dropped more points today. They dropped two more points to Everton. Um, Newcastle dropped two points. Newcastle dropped two points. Um, I. I dem- we demand to be taken seriously. I think you should. You're <laughs> definitely going to be taken seriously. I think if Arsenal do somehow win this game against Brighton um, here today in Brighton, um, I think it will be they'll be at the new year, near halfway through the season, up seven points on Manchester City. Pretty big deal, I think. I'm not saying this is not me saying they're going to win the title. This is not. I I think it's a very. It is a steep. Um, points gap for the even uh, it's not so steep that you can't be taken back, but it's yeah. pretty significant, I would say. I so this definitely feels like one of those situations where you'll be in the lead for a majority of the season, and then you're going to get to like the final month and a half, and it starts getting a little tight. All of a sudden, they've they've brought it to four, and it's like, well, they're going to win every game. We have to win every game. You can only draw one of these. <laughs> like, what I was thinking, <laughs> what I'm thinking about with regards to this, the end of this season coming up, the problem I think Man City have right now is that they, I don't think they defend well enough consistently. I think Arsenal defend a little bit better than Man City. I can't believe I'm saying that right now. Um, they also create more chances than Man City. Uh, can you? I can't believe I'm saying that. You know they have five. Arsenal have five players who've created more than twenty chances um, than anyone. They they're the only team with a team that has four that have created twenty chances or more. Yeah, Arsenal have five players with that right now. That's a pretty incredible, um, a pretty incredible list, uh, uh, a pretty incredible uh, stat to to give out. And I think some players are only becoming more. You're starting to see how special they are. Like Martin Odegaard has been. Excellent, yeah, for them. And he was excellent on Monday against West Ham. He was their best player on the field, like not even close. He was just pulling strings and just he was demanding the ball and he was getting into really good spaces. And oh, he's so good. It was just fun to watch him. One could say that he was the dynamo that was making <laughs> Arsenal go dynamic. He was very dynamic. Yes, very very dynamic. You could call him a dynamo. Yeah, but they also had Saka. And Inketia scored, which was a big deal. And I think people are freaking out because Jesus is out till March. 
and he does a lot for Arsenal. He does a lot of things for Arsenal, but I think people are going to see that Nketiah is an excellent player in his own right. He might be slightly different, but they're going to score goals. They're going to be okay. Yeah. The problem is, is if Nketiah is injured, what do they do then? And that is, I think, what will happen. That could be the issue coming up. Odegaard up top. Odegaard up top. No. False nine, baby. No, it'll be Martinelli. Martinelli yeah. is sliding into that number nine role. And then that's why they're looking at... So, And here's the thing, too, is that they're looking to strengthen right now. I mean, we do have the transfer window we have tomorrow. A month. Yeah, we have a month. They have a month to put it all together. And let's say Inketi is injured today. Something happens, he's injured today. They can change tact and, and look for players that they need to, to really bring in. Um Right now, it's Mudrik and Jao Felix. That those are the two players that are being touted as Jao Felix. Yeah, I think the idea is that they're going to make sure they have enough attacking options um, to make sure they make it through the season. I think they feel fine defensively. I think they look they, they the players that they have defensively they have enough. You know, they have at least two players for each spot, and they can survive with those players. I think also too center midfield is going to be an issue that they they need to be careful about as well. Um, I think you'll see in the summer is where they upgrade that center midfield area. Not just not not yeah. in the sense of um, that Thomas Partey is going to be replaced. It's more of um, upgrading behind him to make sure that there's no drop in our play and style. Are you sure Partey is not going to be replaced? <laughs> I mean, I, who knows at this point? I, all these things are kind of up in the air. It's like the Yvonne Tony thing. We'll see. Right. Right. Feels a little bit like they're going to be like, mm, maybe we'll just get a guy if Tony isn't available. Or not Tony, uh, Partey isn't available. I know. I'll, let me look this up really quickly to see if there's any, like... Um... So, uh, I guess this is a... We can do a little a little segment shift here. We weren't planning on doing this, but I, I think it'd be good. Yeah, so we were not planning on doing this little segment shift, but we're we're gonna... Who do you think is moving in the Premier League? Do you well, think there will be any big swings in January? I mean, there already has been. Enzo Fernandez is going to Chelsea for like $120 million. Yeah. Cody Gakpo went to Liverpool. Yeah. In what ended up being a 24-hour saga. they like Manchester United were like, we really want him. Yeah. And Liverpool was like, oh, cool. We want him more. Yeah, I guess we'll go get him. Yeah. Craziness. Yeah, I think that's interesting. He had already signed, because he came from Gank, right? No, he's coming from PSV. PSV, right. Sorry, wrong Dutch club. No, I, I mean, wrong country, too. Yeah, Belgian, Dutch, whatever. Uh, I I do know the difference, I, I promise. <laughs> I'm not, I'm I'm being flippant. It's not. It's no Yupin, let's just put it that way. It's no Yupin. Anyway... <laughs> Um. Yeah, so he's coming from PSV, and PSV was announcing that he had been signed by Liverpool while, like, all the reporters were, oh, yeah, it seems like Liverpool might be interested in PSV's, like, well, they bought him, so. Yeah, it's already done. Yeah, we, where, <laughs> this, you, where have you been? This was done. done an hour ago. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's gonna. I think Mudrik will eventually be an Arsenal player by the end of the. Th- and I, I can promise you this: that will be a big signing. Um, he is, he is freakishly fast and has the ability to be, as uh, Roberto Deserbi, who was Shakhtar's coach before he became Brighton's coach, said that he could be a Ballon d'Or winner in Ooh. the future. Ooh, yeah, which is saying a. I think that says a lot about his possible talent and skill as a player. Yeah. Um. I think. Do you think th- City's going to make a swing? No, I don't. I think they have what they want. I think they're going to look in the summer for other players. They're also going to look into their youth. I think a little bit more too. Yeah. I think Manchester United are going to look at a couple of players here or there. They're going to they're going to think about their future a little bit more. Do you think they're looking for? No, they have Anthony. They don't need an attacker. They do though, because Anthony hasn't been very good. I mean, that's yeah. why they were looking at Gakpo. I mean, yeah. they're looking for another. They're looking for attackers. I think that'll be a thing for them. I mean, Martial is not the future for them. He's no. the past, um, and he's he's been serviceable. He's but, been fine. Yeah, yeah. right. But that's kind of like how you've he's been. Okay. I mean, Wolves have bought two players. They're going to spend like seventy million dollars, and they could go down. Yeah, 
You know what I mean? They, 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 it's not that the money's not going to be spent. And Chelsea's going crazy, by the way. <sighs> crazy. $120 million for Enzo Fernandez. Already done. And then they bought Buddy Shield from Monaco. And I can't. And then they bought a striker from Norway. They've already spent like $150 million. All Ridiculous they, money. $170 million. Already. All they do is buy attackers. <laughs> Can I also say, everyone, I, they saw, have I, a saw, million. This, I saw this and I was, I, I was, it, it made me laugh because someone just was really angsty about Chelsea and how um, it's, it, that Chelsea is essentially, what is happening? You be quiet. There's a thing that's making noise. I hear that. Shh. Shh. Pretty baby. Don't say a word. I'll buy you a mockingbird. Okay? Cool. If that mockingbird don't swing, I'm going to tear off its wings. <laughs> I'll just buy another $150 million player. Back to Chelsea. Back to Chelsea. Some, you know, unrelatedly. Um, they... <laughs> The thing that's that is really frustrating. Uh, oh, so someone brought up it was like talking about how Chelsea just ruins the market. That Chelsea is one of the biggest reasons why the market is a mess is because they decided that they just wanted to spend over way over the moon for players and not yeah and and make it really hard for other teams to compete with them because they. I mean, and you think about it. Benfica's gonna pay twenty million dollars for Enzo Fernandez last in in the summer. And in six months, they've made a hundred something million. They've made a six hundred percent profit yeah. on that player. That's crazy. That's insane. That's crazy. Crazy money. And they they've made a splash. They're going to continue to look. And I, the thing is, is it doesn't. It feels very haphazard to me. What Chelsea are doing? I have because no idea what Chelsea's plan. Exactly. Is. Like what is like? Is this the thing that Graham Potter wants, or is this the the? I don't know. Or is and, this a bochi? Yeah, exactly. Right? Is this like yeah, yeah, yeah Todd Bowley or whatever? Yeah, the bully bully business. Yeah, thing, wh- whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's how about Newcastle? Are they looking to buy anyone in January? I, I don't, don't think so. I don't, I don't think, think that's so. the thing. I think we're I think we're good for this year. We've already spent all the money I think we're we're yeah. gonna spend. There's a couple of players that we have agreements with already, but I think they're not necessarily players for now right they're like 15 million dollar prospects essentially mm-hmm. it's like well they might get a few games here or there um i will do a quick look because i i did see a couple things it looks like arsenal too like in the summertime will be buying there i think they're buying two midfielders and uh or they'll have two midfielders and a defender coming in because i because i think some of that work has already been done and one of them is uh mr yuri telemans who's 25 playing for Leicester and is quite a good midfielder. He hasn't had a great year this year. He's been hurt too, but he's generally, been, he he has had very good years with them. He's been one of their better players over the course of time. And then um, there's Evan Indica, who plays for Eintracht Frankfurt, who has been very, very good as a center back for them. And they're looking to, to buy him on a free as well. And then the other player was Danilo, who plays in Brazil for Palmeiras. And um, he's another guy that I think will be bought in the summer um, because I think they trust what what they have right now, but they're going to upgrade what everything else when that time comes. And I think they're going to have a team that's going to be ready to fight well, not only for a Premier League title, but really challenge in the Champions League. Yeah. yeah. Especially if Mudrick comes in. They have Mudrick and... Um, who is the other? And Jal-Fe- uh, Felix is only alone. I think it's just temporary because um, they have Bol- uh, Balogun, um, who is a striker, who is playing in France right now, who is the tied for third leading goal scorer in France right now. <laughs> um, he returning was, from loan. Yeah, returning from loan. He had 20 goals for Rem. Yeah. Undecided so. on his national team. Still, yeah. U.S. men's national team player. Fuller and Balogun. U.S. US men's national team prospect. Yeah. (laughs) And hopefully... I'm I'm trying to remember. Who's his his friend that tries to get him into the national team every time he sees him? Mm. One one of the U.S. men's national team players is like his best friend. He's like, hey. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, You should come play for us. Eunice Musa? Yes, the guy it's, yeah, it's Musa. Yeah, because Musa's another. Uh, he was an English American international. 
<laughs> already? Yeah, they're already what leading. Are you, what are you, eight minutes in? Eight minutes in. Saka scored <laughs> in the second minute. Yeah. Wow. They. <laughs> wow. They're they're hammering them already. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it. Maybe you guys just. Maybe you're up for it. You know, you saw that you could gain three points, two points. Sorry. Yep. I think that's the chance. This is the opportunity. If they somehow pull this out, I think. Um, start. It starts looking. Starts to look rough if you uh, don't pick up points on days like this. Yeah. Where Manchester City gifts you points. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, hey, they, they yeah, Th- those are just as valuable as points that you earn. So anyway, we. How should we wrap this up? You think we should? Do you think? Uh, how will these months turn out for some of these teams? Do you think Newcastle stay in the top four? Yes, because we are the most consistently decent to good team. In the Premier League, who's the fourth team then? Because I think Arsenal, Manchester City. I I I want to automatically put them in the top four. I think it's going to be Man United. Hmm. Not Liverpool. No. Or Tottenham. Or Tottenham. I think Tottenham could struggle. I think Tottenham will start to slow down. That's another team that won't do anything. I don't think. And they've their recruitment has been really rough over the course of the last Here, two, three Here's years. what I'm going to say about Manchester United, and this is to put every other team in the Premier League on, on notice. That dressing room was absolutely toxic. It was a random assortment of players. It was clicky. It was disjointed. You could see that over the course of last year and in the very beginning of this year. And guess what? Mm-hmm. They're in fifth or sixth right now, and they're starting to play like how their manager wants them to play, they're only going to get better. They don't get worse from where they were at the beginning of the year. That's true. That's true. I think there's a possibility that they go on a run, but the thing is, is I think they're still not, they're not totally, I think there there are going to be gaps in the way they play and they're going to struggle, I think, for periods of time. I'm not sure there will be a team that's more um, active in the transfer market in the next month than Manchester United, but I think they're going to be looking for like specific kind of like big pieces and not necessarily like they're going to try and find somebody to replace Martial. They'll try and find somebody to play up top at least as like a good, a good hand if Anthony doesn't work. I think, I mean, we've been hearing the rumors for six months now. I think they're going to go get Pulisic. I think he'll, I think, you know who I think will be the fourth team? Liverpool. You think Liverpool's going to climb back up? I think they're struggling, but I think they have the pieces in place and they have the system in place to I mean, we, to make a run for fourth. We talked about like is he a top 5 manager? Klopp's definitely a top 5 manager. I their midfield is I just don't know. I think they're going to buy a midfielder. I think you'll see them purchase a midfielder before the, the who, time. Who is do you think's going to fix their like what do they who do they, they need? They need a, they need a player there? like Tyler Tyler Adams. They need a they need a they need a guy who covers defensively. And the thing is, is they've been really injured. Like Fabinho hasn't yeah. been healthy all year. They've had they haven't had their guys really their full allotment of midfielders, and they have a lot of them. Um, what's his name has been out too. Naby Cates has been out. They've just does haven't had the the full allotment. I think. You I think if Fabinho comes back and he stays healthy, they will go. For, they will definitely go on a run. Also, uh, you said the name, and I thought about it. There has never been a player more custom built for Jurgen Klopp than Tyler, Tyler Adams. Adams. I know he's a guy. <laughs> I'm not saying that he's going that he is the exact guy, but they need a guy similar right. to him, a guy that is very strong defensively, can move, progress the ball forward, and covers a lot of ground. Right. And that's he, what Tyler Adams. He's played says. Red Bull style his entire yeah. life. He's he's smart and he's athletic, and Jurgen Klopp is like, yeah, I know what to do with that guy. He's everything I've ever wanted. I don't know. He's he's a little small. He would be fine. He's he throws his who Tyler Adams. Yeah, he's only yeah. like five eight. Yeah, but he throws himself around much bigger than he is. Yeah, he's he's not afraid of it. No. Which you you can't be if you're gonna play kind of that six. Yeah, he's liking Golo Conte in that way. Where it's like, well, I guess I gotta. Right. Guess I gotta go play big. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, and he can do that. He's totally. I think he'd be a great player for our Liverpool. Anyway. Yeah. So yeah, I think Liverpool will be fourth, and I think it's uh, like and, uh, I still edge Man City to win the title. I know that Arsenal are up, but right, like Man City has so much more depth than Arsenal, and you have to believe that Man City 
or could go on this run and not lose and draw any games for four months because they've done it before and they can do it again. And it's not to say that Arsenal won't be really good down the stretch. I think they're going to be really good. It's it's yeah. it comes down to are they healthy in April? If they're healthy in April, then yeah, there's a real possibility they could they could win it. But if they don't, if they're not healthy and they don't have all the players, they could struggle. So, and they'll still finish in the top four. They'll probably finish second. But um, but yeah. So uh, we'll finish this segment with uh, a recurring bit that I love. Oh, we forgot about who who's is it still the same teams we think are relegated, getting relegated? Wolves, Southampton, Bournemouth. Yeah, I think so. Small chance of West Ham. <laughs> Small chance of West Ham if everything goes poorly. If the if the weight of their current failures propels them into further depths of failure. Uh so here's my question for you, Paul. If you're Liverpool how much do you think it costs you to go get Tyler Adams and Weston McKinney? Hmm. Do you think it's eighty million? How much do you think Tyler Adams is going to go for? He could very easily have made himself a fifty million dollar player. Hmm. How much do you think Weston is going to sell for? Juventus probably just needs to get him off the books. I think... Hmm, good question. I think that's a really good question. Um, I think 75 to 80 for the two. Yeah. But the thing is, is that... Because mm. that's an incredibly effective partnership that you watched play pretty well in the World Cup. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, it could be more. Could be more. Weston McKinney. I think Juventus is going to sell for cheap. I think they are as well. I think they're going to sell for much more than than people are going to expect. And I think um, Adams is going to be worth a lot too because he's proven in the Premier League that he can play. Yeah, and legitimately th- can play. Like not not as just like a bit part player as a as a man who can start consistently right. and deliver the goods and not just for a mid table side. I think he could deliver for a big time side. So. Yeah, I mean, he has Champions League experience. They both do, actually. So. Yeah, so yeah, I think yeah, I think that's a possibility. I don't know if they'll they'll have. I think I think Tyler Adams is a more important player. Yeah, I think Weston oh, McKinney sure. would be great for a team like Liverpool, but at the same time, they need a possession builder. They they need he to does find okay. A, he's okay, but I think, I know he he does grade out better as like a third man in the box kind of guy, but he's a. He's more of like Frank Lampard to me than he is uh, Tiago. You know what I mean? And I think they need to find the Tiago replacement with a little bit more mobility. So, yeah. like, so Kovacic from Inter Milan—that's a guy I would yeah. I would feel or not Kovacic, um, Brozovic, excuse me. Kovacic plays I, for um, Milan's not selling. No, no, I'm just saying that's a that's a that's the player to right, me that that's they the need player to look type at. That you're, yeah, that's yeah. a player type you're looking at to to replace him. So, all right, we need to finish with the goat sadly so they call him the god of football football we're going to talk about Pele and his impact on the game uh, I'm, I'm going to let you take this one away honestly because it might he probably means more to you than he does to me because I have a different weirder path to loving football than than you do I mean Hmm. Pele is, I mean, everyone knows Pele. Even non-soccer knowers in the United States know the word Pele and what he's probably the most famous soccer player of all time. Yeah, one of the, and he came to the United States and tried to help build the game here in the United States, which was a big deal. With the Cosmos, right? uh, For the New York Cosmos, yeah, and he played for a very long time for the New York Cosmos. Not a very long time, but long enough to to be recognized in, in generations that he was a player of distinction. Um, he is the reason why the game is known to be beautiful. Like he's the reason why people call it the beautiful game is because of Pele. He brought us different, he brought such a different style and understanding of what soccer and football really is about. Um, and with those Brazilian teams who just just would out-touch and out-maneuver you with their skill and flair and ability to play with the ball, 
Um, they he was the epitome of all of that, and he scored so many beautiful, amazing goals and did it. He did even did it in the United States too. Like he still had that ability, that special ability to create and score things that that no one else no one else could. Um, he's sort of he's sort of the kind of guy where things that players do now that are just kind of nice goals yet he he made that like that was him he was the first guy to do that you know um i was watching some like old highlights and he would just do those little like knockdowns to himself and like you know kick it off the half volley and just you know stuff that's kind of just second nature for us in in football now but like in the 60s they weren't necessarily doing that all the time right he was just he was bringing a joy and a, and a beauty to to a sport that was in a lot of ways guy running with ball on his on his feet past guy to kick and and he played it in a little bit of a different way right yeah i mean he was a guy that I mean, we didn't really, we weren't really able to see him, and and right. like we never saw him live. We were never able to really experience what he really was. But even then, he was a great ambassador for the game after he was done. And I remember him. I remember watching highlights of him and being in awe of like he always had space. It was always amazing that he. It wasn't necessarily <laughs> that he was technically always te- technically gifted because he was, but he always seemed to have space. You always seem to be in space, and you you sit there and you go, "How is that possible? How is how do you always have space, even in the box? How do you always have the space? How do you always have a couple yards of space to?" And it, it makes the game easier when you have space. Yeah. I know people think like, like we like are in awe of players who learn how to play in tight spaces, which is part of it, and he did that as well. But I'm always in awe of the players who always seem to have lots of space. That's why I was always <laughs> amazed by Mesut Ozil. And um, like Dennis Bergkamp and Thierry Henry is like Thierry Henry would have moments where he was in tight spaces, but he always, he was generally in space and you're sitting there like why everyone knows he's the guy and somehow he's in like five yards of space. Yeah. And he's always has a head start. Edison Cavani is another guy. Uh, Erling Haaland is another great example of a guy who somehow has space in the box, even though everyone knows he's (laughs) the guy that is going to score the goal. He's, he's huge. The ball's going to him. Like, Like, and he's always in two yards of space somehow. It's like, how is that possible? You know? And, and he was one of those guys to me, just very special, very amazing. And I loved all the work that he did for the game after that. He really tried to push the game in the United States. Like he was a big proponent of why soccer became, I'm not saying he was the reason why MLS existed or anything, but he was the precursor to those things happening. And that was really important for the game in the United States. Yeah. So I'm very grateful for that man. And he's just such a special, um, just a special, special player, special player. He, uh, he lived a, he lived a long life. Um, outlived Maradona, which I am sure he enjoyed. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and kind of that leaves it lonely at the top. Right. For the only remaining goat. Maybe there can only ever be two at any given time. Maybe that's a rule. Hmm. Only two at any given time? Two greats at any... But they didn't really play together. No, no, no. But like just, just alive. Maybe they're gonna, you know, Messi ascended, so Pele had was like, okay, my work here is done. Ooh, it's, a, it's on it's you a, now. It's a that's an interesting thing to say. Yeah. Hmm. Like I I no longer have to carry the torch for for football now. Messi can have it. Hmm. Okay. So it's time for Messi to be the great ambassador of the game. Oh. What about I, Cristiano? <laughs> Cristiano is going to be more Maradona than Pele, I think. You think he'll get into all kinds of weird trouble and No, I just think he's gonna be kind of the like, well, yeah, he's he was great. He's one of the greatest of all time, but like maybe we don't bring him to conferences all the time because you know, it's very Cristiano centric. Hmm. I think there might be a I think there might be an element of that. He went somewhere, speaking of Cristiano. <laughs> We don't yeah. want to get into that. We'll we'll talk about that another time. That's that's he he he. He was paid a lot of money to 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 go to a 
I mean, we we can say it. It's El Nasir, right? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I, but I mean, I just want to dirty this this uh, moment of Pele with with that. Yeah. That feel thing. feel free to feel free to cut that name. In fact, we 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 demand it. Uh, we don't demand it. It's part of this whole process. But um. Anyway, I I just I I just want to be say thank you, Mr. Pele, for everything. I almost bought a pair of your boots, by the way. Um, I didn't because I saw the toe box and I I was horrified of what my feet might turn out to be after. Um, but they looked lovely, and um, <laughs> I um I you know I I I hope that people will remember you and remember the game that you had. And um, look back and realize the specialness of what you did for the game, not only um, here in the United States, but the world abroad. And why the game has become the way it is, is because of you. The they bicycle kicks, pick, kicks happen because of you. Like all these things happen because of you. So mm-hmm. thank you very much for all of those things. Yes. Yeah. The Brazilian god of football. Futebol. Jogo Bonito. Jogo Bonito Futebol. Football. Football. As always, this has been 141 Studio. I'm Ryan Whiting. And I'm Paul Cushing. And um, I, I don't feel like saying it after such a way to um, end. But um, So, you know what? I actually have a way to do this. So, kids, if you go into your medicine cabinet <laughs> and you find magnesium, okay? Uh-huh. And you toss magnesium in a fire, it will burn very much, right? For just a short period of time. It'll just light up, right? Mm-hmm. If you coat wood in, like, I don't know, like, uh, what's the element that starts with S? Sodium? Sulfite? Yeah, if you, if you, in, like, a potassium sulfate, right, it'll burn, like, green, and mm-hmm. so you can change fire into these beautiful, different colors. Mm-hmm. And I think here at 141 Studio, in honor of Pele and his contributions to the beautiful game, I think the trash fire, I think the trash fire is going to burn pretty colors. Green and yellow, actually. That's green a, and yellow. That's a good green and, yeah, those are, okay, so burn the trash. So all hail the green, yellow, and blue trash fire is what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll hail the green, yellow, and blue trash fire. I'll hail the trash fire. Thank you, Pele. Rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs>